and you also know, hey, even though I feel afraid, even though I feel doubt, even though this feels terrifying, even though I've never had a conversation like this before, even though this feels so hard and so scary, there is a part of me that knows that I can succeed in this role, that I can get through this conversation. And that's all you need. That's enough. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to eliminate the fear. You don't have to eliminate all the bad stuff. You just need enough of the good stuff to get you through it. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. My name is Jess. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm a career coach for women in the nine to five space. I help women feel confident and amazing and have a powerful voice. Even if they feel quiet or even if they struggle with confidence, none of that is a problem. And today, I'm talking about influencing. This is part two of my two-part series on influencing. I am so excited about today's episode um, because this is the fun part. I think influencing is so fun, makes me feel so powerful. I'm excited for how powerful it will make you feel when you get really good at it, or maybe you're already really good at it and you're just here to get better at it. And then in that case, I'm excited that you already feel super friggin' powerful. So I'm pumped. I'm ready. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. Um, And just so you know, this is part two. In part one, I talked about what influencing is. I gave you the definition of it. And most importantly, I talked about where you're going to be applying this. So I talked about the situations in your professional life where influencing is really going to move the needle and really going to help you get the outcomes you want, get the roles you want, get the promotions you want. I talked about why it was hard and I talked about what most people get wrong and I'm going to dive even deeper into what most people get wrong and I'm going to tell you how to do it right. I'm so ready and I hope you are too. So I ended part one with this idea of the two axes of influence and the two axes of influence are facts and feelings. And I was explaining to you that while the facts matter, the feelings are one of the most powerful drivers of our decisions, which means that when you are influencing and you are trying to get someone to buy into your vision, what you're trying to do is help them feel compelled to be a part of your vision. It is how your audience feels about you that is going to tip them one way or the other in making that decision of, do I want to buy in? Do I want to support her? And when they make the decision over and over again to buy in, to support you, that is when you can achieve really powerful outcomes in a professional setting. And that is what I want to help you do. And so first, what I'm going to do in this episode is really outline how I want you to think of facts versus feelings so you are crystal clear on this in your head and you know exactly what the distinction is. And then I'm going to walk you through how to actually apply this and how to do this in a conversation. And I'm going to start to help you like really understand and to hammer home in your mind the facts versus feelings distinction. I'm going to share with you a personal story, story time. Are you excited? I'm excited. (laughs) But I'm going to share with you the story of when I bought my first car, like my first time 
buying myself a car as an adult. And it was very late into my adult life. I think I was in my late 20s because I had all my adult life been in cities where I didn't need a car. I lived in New York City and then I lived in San Francisco. And I found myself in my late 20s moving to Southern California and needing a car. And I actually was someone like, I'm not someone who gets excited about cars. Cars don't excite me. Fancy cars don't excite me. Like, I'm just like, it's a car. As long as it gets me where I need to go, I'm fine with it. So when I had to buy myself a car, I I was kind of like, I didn't know how to choose one because they they're all they're literally all the same to me, right? I was just like, I don't know. Like, I guess should I just get like the least expensive or maybe the safest? Because like I don't care about anything else. So how do I make this decision? So I tuned into the voice of my soul. And apparently what my, I guess would this be my higher self? I don't know. I would just say my authentic self deep down inside. I realized that I didn't care at all about like the brand or whatever, all that stuff. But there was one thing that was like peeping out of my soul, this like one little voice that I heard when I was making this decision of like, well, what car do I get? And I realized that I really wanted a convertible. I just realized that that seemed really appealing to me. And that for some reason, I was like not allowing myself to like want a convertible because like that, I don't know, like not a lot of people get them, right? And also like someone once told me like, oh, it's so impractical. Like, you know, everyone who buys a convertible, like they never get one ever again. They like, quote unquote, get it out of their systems. I can confirm that is not true. I have a convertible and I will never not have a convertible. But anyway, I gave myself permission, radical permission to buy myself a convertible. And that's all I cared about. All I cared about was I wanted a convertible. And I started researching like different brands, different price points. And what I landed on was the one that I liked the best was a Volvo convertible, a C70. And it wasn't a car that you could get new. So it was Volvo had made a run of convertibles for several years. And so I had if I wanted that model, which was like the one that I thought was the cutest and was like really connecting with me at a soul level. This is how I do my car shopping. Then I knew that I was going to have to get a used convertible and it was a very specific model. So there just weren't a lot of them out there in the world. So I was spending a lot of time. Um, like on Craigslist and online, on the car sites, trying to find one. And I had all of my, so I'm talking about facts and feelings when it comes to influencing. I had all of my facts for my purchase decision ready to go. So I knew what model I wanted. I knew what paint colors I wanted. I either wanted light blue or dark blue. I knew like the maximum number of miles I wanted. Like I didn't want it to have a lot of miles. I knew the price point, although all of like all of the used convertibles were all in my price point. So that was fine. Um, I knew geographically like where I could go to get the car. So I had all my facts, right? Like I had the list of like, this is the car that I want. These are the criteria that it needs to meet. So I searched and searched. There weren't that many of these. And finally, I found one and it was in San Diego and I was in San Francisco. So I did have to like you know, my partner lived in LA at the time. So I went to LA. And then together, we went down to San Diego so that I could see the car and test drive this Volvo convertible that I had found on Craigslist. So just for context, I had never driven a convertible in my life. My soul just knew that that was something that needed to happen. 
So I went down to San Diego. I found this car. And I want to remind you that all this time I'm in a decision process. Like I'm in this process of like, am I going to say yes to this car? And going down there and seeing it was like the final step to that process. So the car factually met all of the requirements, but I needed to go down there to see the car to have the feeling so that I knew for sure that this was the car that I was going to buy. And I got there and I saw it and it was so beautiful. It was so cute. It looked better than it looked in the pictures. And then the owner said, all right, do you want to take it for a test ride? And I said, yes. And he said, great, here are the keys. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, you're going to let me test drive it without you? Like, you're not going to come? And he was like, no, I want you to get a feel for the car. And I was so surprised because I thought that he would be there. And I was really excited because like this is a big moment, you know, like test driving the first car that you're thinking of buying for yourself. Like it was a big moment for me in my life. And I was with my partner, so I wasn't alone. But I felt kind of excited that I didn't have the pressure of like the owner of the car to be in the car with me. And so we got in the car. The top was already down. It, and my car is so beautiful. I'll post, her name is Steph. I'll post a picture of her on Instagram so you can see what she looks like. Um, my car is gorgeous. I'm in love with her. I'm obsessed. I still drive this car to that day. Spoiler, <laughs> this, this story is going to end with me buying the car. But anyway, so we got in the car and I had never been in a convertible before. It felt really weird and cool to just like have the top be open. And I started driving. And you know, when you're first driving an unfamiliar car, it feels a little wonky. It feels a little weird. It's just like you're kind of getting used to it. So you're going a little slow. Maybe your stops are a little abrupt. And so I was kind of like driving wonky for a little bit, got used to it, started driving it more comfortably. I was really liking the feel of it. And then I looked at my partner. He was in the passenger seat. And I said, like, should we take it on the freeway? And he said, yes. And so, you know, I had been driving really slowly on like these residential streets in San Diego. And then I went towards the freeway and I got on the freeway and I stepped on the gas. And if you like, I really suggest that everyone has this experience in life of taking a convertible on the freeway. I had never done it before. And I got on and I started driving up to like, you know, close to like 60 or the pace of the freeway. And the feeling that you get in a convertible on the freeway is completely different than the way you feel when you're driving it on the side streets. Because the wind in your face is so fast and so intense. And I was on that freeway driving and the wind was striking my face and like bringing my entire spirit to life. And I was driving that car down the freeway and I was like, oh my God, I have to buy this car. I don't want this to be the last time that I feel this feeling. The feeling of driving a convertible on a freeway is like crack cocaine for me. I love it so, so much. This is why I recommend everyone do it. But in that moment, when I took that car in the freeway, I was sold. I was done. I was like, I need this car because I need this feeling. And this is such a helpful story for you to think about when it comes to influencing. And by the way, <laughs> I bought the car. That's how the story ends, as I told you. But I want you to understand the role that feelings play when you are influencing 
And I want you to really think about this moment that I had in that convertible of like, oh my God, I need to buy this. As the moment that you are trying to create with your audience, with your stakeholder, what you're trying to do is go beyond just showing them the facts and the figures. You're not just showing them this is a Volvo, C70, 20,000 miles, dark blue, right? Like, it's not just that. You want to take them for a test ride. You want them to come in that car, sit in that car, and have that moment where they're like, OMG, yes, this is a yes for me. And the way that you do that is through two ways. And these are both so, so, so important. The first way that you are going to do that is by creating that yes moment and that yes vision for yourself before you have the conversation with them. And so to make this really, really concrete, if you're asking for a promotion, and you're experiencing a lot of doubt, and you have a lot of unaddressed fears around whether you might not be able to succeed and whether you can do it or whether it might be too much. And you bring those fears to that conversation and you let those fears run the show, then you are not going to give them that yes feeling. You could have the best facts, the best story, the best information, You could have really strong evidence, but if you inside aren't feeling like, I am the person for this, I am that person, then your audience is not going to feel that confidence. And so they're going to have to get all of their confidence from the facts and none of their confidence from your confidence in yourself. Now, this doesn't mean that doubt can't be present. And it doesn't mean that if you feel afraid or insecure, you can never influence. You can have belief in yourself that sits alongside insecurity. You don't need to eliminate or quash or get rid of your imposter syndrome or your fear or your doubt to also hold a belief in you that you could do really well in this role. And in fact, this is what I most commonly see when I am working with someone in a one-on-one capacity is that they have conflicting beliefs. They have the fear and the belief that they're not good enough and they have belief that they can. This is why they're still pursuing the thing, right? Like this is why you haven't given up on your confidence. This is why you're still listening to this podcast because even though there is doubt and you're like, but what if I can't? There is something in you that is like, yes, but what if I can't? And that's why you are showing up every day and still trying. And so even if you have fear, even if you have doubt, and even if you have insecurity, you want to coax the part of you that is like, "Um, I can do this job. Like when I rub the fear out of my eyes and when I calm myself down and when I really step back and reflect, I can totally do this job. I should totally get this promotion. I can totally be in this interview. That part of you needs to get airtime. You need to spend time before the conversation, allowing that part of you to emerge, allowing that part of you to grow so that when you show up to the conversation, yes, there might be fear. Yes, there might be doubt. All of those things can totally be present 
and you also have something else to draw on. And you also know, hey, even though I feel afraid, even though I feel doubt, even though this feels terrifying, even though I've never had a conversation like this before, even though this feels so hard and so scary, there is a part of me that knows that I can succeed in this role, that I can get through this conversation. And that's all you need. That's enough. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to eliminate the fear. You don't have to eliminate all the bad stuff. You just need enough of the good stuff to get you through it. And so the first thing that's going to give your audience that feeling that you are right for this, that they should say yes, is your feeling. And so before you're having a big conversation, before you're having an interview, you know, before you're having a high stakes discussion, get to know your feelings, get to know the fears, get to know the doubts. Those are there. They're probably coming with you into the room. That's okay. But also get to know all the other feelings, all the evidence you have that you're good at what you do, all the evidence that you have that you drive amazing outcomes. You can be insecure and also have tons and tons and tons of evidence that you are masterful at your craft and that with time and with commitment and with focus, you can succeed in anything. Bring that with you to the conversation. If you're gonna bring the doubt, also bring the other stuff. And that is going to help your audience have that feeling, that yes feeling. Yes, I want to support her. But there's more. There's more than just your feeling. The way that you position and present your proposal to the person you're trying to influence, whether you're trying to get someone to advocate to promote you, whether you're trying to get an executive to buy in and support a project that you need their team to help with, whatever it is, When you're trying to get someone to say yes, this is so, so, so important. You need to create space in the conversation for that person to experience their moment, their convertible moment. That moment that I experienced when I was in that convertible on the freeway and everything in me was like a full body yes to this car. You need to create that moment for the other person. And this is where so many people go wrong and go astray in this process. Because when you're nervous and when you're asking for something that you want, it is so, so, so easy and almost automatic for you to focus all of your energy on you and for you to just be thinking of yourself and talking about yourself when really what needs to happen is you need to think about what this thing that you're asking for means for the other person. And you need to think about What would make them feel excited? What would make them test drive your proposal and be like, we need to buy it. We need to buy this car. And what you want to do is create the vision for them of what this is going to offer them. When I was in management consulting, a phrase that we used a lot was make your client the hero. So A lot of the work that we did, we needed to go into a company and get them to give us data and get them to work with us. And that was really hard. That required a ton of influencing. And what we were always told was like, well, make them the hero. The reason I need this data is so I can help you. The reason that I need you to help us with this is so that we can get you the outcome that you want. And I really want you to think about this for yourself when you're having an influencing conversation. When you are asking someone to promote you, you are not the only one who is going to benefit from that outcome. And when you are asking someone to buy into a project or something you need help with, you are also not the only person who is going to benefit from that outcome. When you get promoted, when you execute a project successfully, 
your leaders are going to reap massive benefits from your elevated performance. And this is what most people miss because they're so focused on themselves and their fears and not doing it right and not being good enough that they're scared to look at the vision. They're scared to make the promise. They're scared to say, here's what this is going to create for you when you offer this to me. Here's what I'm going to do in this position. Here's how I'm going to be able to add value. Here's the outcome that this is going to create. As soon as you show your stakeholder what your ask is going to do for them, they are no longer in a decision process in their head of, do I want to help her? They're now in a decision process of, do I want this for myself? Do I want to buy this car? And if you help them understand what it's going to be like when they buy the car, what it's going to be like when you get the promotion, what it's going to be like when the project is done, how it's going to benefit them and their team and help them with whatever their goals are. Once they see that, the decision is not only about you. Now it's about them. It's about, oh, do I want this outcome? And therefore, do I want to support her in getting this? When someone is interviewing you for a job, you are not just showing them that you are right for the job. You are showing them what you're going to create for them when you're in that job. And as soon as they have that moment in their minds of seeing what this is going to be like and having that moment where they can imagine themselves having the successful outcome, they're going to be on your side. They're going to be on your side and everything that you're promising them and everything that you're telling them is true as long as you believe in your own capabilities, as long as you believe you can do it. The more that you believe you can do it, the more you're going to be able to paint that vision for them so that as they're talking to you, You're not just listing facts and figures. You're not just telling them the data. You're not just showing them the specs of the car. You are taking them for a test drive. And they have that moment of imagining themselves in that car, on that freeway, going 75 miles per hour and being like, yes, I want that outcome. Absolutely, I will fight to get you this promotion. Absolutely, I will get my team on board with this. Absolutely, I'm going to support you in executing this thing. When they see what that will create for them. You have two levels of buy-in. They wanna support you and they wanna support them. And that is value creation. That is how you create value in an organization. You see a vision, you see how things could be better. And sometimes the way that things could be better is by you having more power, you getting done the project that you wanna get done. That is better for the organization. You see it, you make the case, and you show someone not only how it's going to benefit you, but how it's going to benefit them, and you help them experience the feeling of the test drive. You take them for a test drive. You show them what it's going to be like when you achieve that outcome, and you get that outcome, and then you deliver the value, and you do the thing that you promised, and your confidence skyrockets because now you know I deliver. I make a brave ask, I take them for a test drive, I give them the feeling of, yes, I want to support this, and I deliver on it. And then next time you have that conversation, you have a promotion conversation, you have a conversation with a stakeholder, your confidence is so high because you've been through a full cycle. You've asked for something, someone has said yes, you've delivered on it, you're like, I've got this. There is nothing that I can't do, there is nothing that I can't deliver. And it all starts with you having the conversation building your own confidence, allowing the fear and allowing the imposter syndrome to be there, but also bringing in that belief, also bringing in that knowing that you are really good at what you do. 
And of course, that moment of bringing your stakeholder for that test drive, of painting the vision for how it's going to benefit them, of making it not so much only about you, but also about them, taking the spotlight off of you for a moment and putting it on them and helping them see, helping them imagine how this thing that you're asking for is going to enrich them and the team and the company and the mission. It is so much bigger than you. When you get promoted, when you do something successfully, when you have a good outcome, it is about so much more than you. It is not just about you. It's about what you create for your organization. And as soon as you understand that, and as soon as you really start to see that, you will become so much more influential everywhere because your brain will suddenly be like, oh my gosh, I'm not just like being this selfish a-hole who is just asking people for things all the time. I'm on a freaking mission. I'm here to get things done. And when you act from that place, you are more confident, you are more effective, people get more excited to help you, and everything about how you show up and how you work changes. So it is this one nugget of influencing and this ability to take it beyond yourself and see how you fit into the bigger picture and see that it's not just about you, even when it feels like it's just about you. When you can zoom out and make your audience the hero, make that person the hero, give them that moment in that convertible, it will change everything. And to make this really actionable for you, I really want you to challenge yourself to think of situations in your career, in your day-to-day job, where influencing might help you. And I want you to get really intentional about those conversations. And I want you to think ahead for not just what facts you're going to share with someone, but how you're going to compel them and help them have the feeling of yes, I wanna help her. Yes, this is gonna help me too. Yes, I'm on her side. Because that is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And so I am glad to see you at this point. I am so glad that you've made it to the end of this episode. And I'm so excited for you. Because if you're listening all the way to the end, it means that you want your skills and your communication not just to be good, but to be amazing. It means that you're not just here to like do good work. You're like, no, I'm rising to the top, bitches. Like that's where I'm going. And I am so honored, so freaking honored to get to be in your ears and to get to play a role in helping you do that. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm going to put my contact information below. And if you are looking for one-on-one support and you're interested in coaching with me and working on your confidence and becoming like that next level leader that is in you, but maybe struggling to come out, check out my private coaching program, which I will link below. And if you want some free stuff, also check out the show notes because I have a free course on executive presence which I've gotten wonderful feedback on. And I also have a free ebook that you can download and I will link both of those in the show notes. Thank you for being here. I hope you have an amazing week. I hope that your influencing becomes off the charts because this really is how I did my job. I think we all have a couple of superpowers that we lean on, that we use a lot, that help us get a lot of our success. And this is hands down one of them for me. And I believe that this is a really, really learnable skill. I don't think this is like something that you either have it or you don't. I think this is a way of thinking about things and thinking about yourself and thinking about other people that pretty much anyone can try on. So with that, I'm going to sign off. I hope you have a wonderful week. I cannot wait to see you next week. I have an interview 
um, with a friend of mine who is a coach and we're talking all about stress and managing it, which seems really relevant, especially given how this year has gone. So I am very pumped for you to hear that conversation. And with that, I'm going to sign off. Have a beautiful, beautiful day and catch you next week. Bye.